It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all of today's hockey news with some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by fucking nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon, with me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we have your news blast for May 26th, 2020. But first, please subscribe with whatever podcatcher you use. Leave us a review on iTunes or voicemail on Anchor if you're fired up about something we said or something you think we should be doing better. We'll play it on the podcast, I promise. All right, before we get into our news blast, let's check in with the dulcet tones of my baritone co-host, Ryan. How you doing, man? You know, I've been... I've been uh caught up in the drama from that call her daddy show have you ever listened to that show oh no i actually have it no tell me oh i just i haven't listened to it either it's not it's not something you'd want your daughters to listen to i'll put it that way but okay but it's like i was caught up in the drama of how they're they're in this big contractual dispute with barstool and got me thinking I mean, how would how would you and I, how would our feud, what, what would be the, the basis for us blowing up? Like, you and I have a feud. Like, because <laughs> like, like, I feel like we don't want much. We're just a couple of nice Western Canadian guys. I just, I feel like you would want, like, you'd want a contract where you're like, I have to, like, hang out with Brock Besser for, like, a day. And then Matt would be like, I don't know if I can do that. And you'd just, like, flip your shit. And you'd be like, no. Or, or, or like you, you interviewed him solo and didn't tell me for some reason. I think, I think that would, <laughs> yeah. that might be it. That might do it. Yeah. yeah. Like I ran into him at like Red Robin. I was like, hey, do you have 20 <laughs> minutes just to like talk while our food's coming? And then, and he's like, yeah, sure. And then I'm just like, oh, hey guys, I got Brock Besser. And I, yeah, I feel like you would, that, that would probably be it. I don't, it, it wouldn't be about money. It would just be like, just something hockey related. Yeah, like I'm really just hoping that we can get a trip to New York out of this somehow at some point, and then I think we'll be pretty happy. So I think right now our our aims are pretty low. I don't think we're looking for that uh, $100 million Rogan money yet. Yeah, that's true. I do, If I remember correctly, I, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Matt said he'd fly us out. So. You're a damn fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, should we get into our news blast? Yeah. The NHL is set to resume with a 24-team playoff format. Are we calling it the Asterix Cup? Uh, it's set to go ahead, but not without some controversy. According to Elliot Friedman, the NHLPA executive, that's one player rep from 31 teams voted to go ahead with the 24-team format. Akeem Alou calls for change, claims hockey is not for everyone. His recent piece in the Players' Tribune calls out hockey culture. And a huge thank you to our audience for her first thousand listens. All right, so let's let's get into it. Uh, I mean, so the the NHL is set to resume with a 24 team format. I mean, it's still pretty in the air. There aren't any dates or anything set yet. We're looking. Basically, all, all that's happened is the the NHL executive, pardon me, the NHL PA executive, uh, one player from each of the 31 teams voted uh, to to go ahead with a 24 team format, where the top four teams at each conference would basically wait, uh, ha- having a bye while the other teams played in a five-game series to, to play the winner. Um, I mean, there's already some controversy in that. Some players are fairly upset. Uh, I think that they didn't get a say in it. I mean, I know I know that I wouldn't uh, be too happy about being forced into something without uh, without having a vote, something this significant. I mean, two to three months away uh, from your family is uh, nothing to scoff at. Um, anyway, what do you think? Yeah, it's... It's so tough, right? We talked about it a little bit on a previous episode. Philip Deneau had 
uh, had been interviewed and he said that he's got a young son and he said, I just don't want to take two or three months away from my child. And, uh, you know, I know you've got two young kids. You've talked about it. You wouldn't want to do that either. I think that overall it's every, it's not just the players too. I mean, you got to have the equipment managers. You have to have the video guys. Like I would imagine every player and personnel has to take part in this and it's aside from the seven teams that aren't even (laughs) making this this uh, extended playoff but it's tough because the players in a way they are entertainers they're paid very well for what they do but we have to almost look at the human side of some of these guys that have kids that you know that have wives who I mean maybe it's like a young guy like um, as an example, a Quinn Hughes, I mean, he's a 18, 19 year old defenseman, but if he had a sick parent or a sick grandparent, maybe he doesn't want to go. Right. So something like that, as an example, I'm not saying Quinn Hughes is in that situation. So, I mean, it's tough. Cause on the one hand, as a fan, I want hockey back. I know a lot of people do, but I mean, we also have to kind of look at these guys and go, that's a lot to ask. And from the mental health side of it as well, I saw that the city of Edmonton was making a video and they were highlighting, you know, they've got golf courses and stuff like that. But man, at the end of the day, there's only so much golf you can do and, and limited resources that you can take part in before you miss home and, and you miss being around your family. And I don't know. I just think it would be really tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I just, there's so many variables here before they even get going. But I mean, it's just one of the things I think I'm really curious to see is just what shape are these guys going to come back in? I mean, I think we've all seen the videos of certain players working out with their wives on their backs, but there's probably an equal amount of other players who have been uh, have been taking it easy like it's been the off season. And is, is four to six weeks going to be enough to be able to get them into the same shape as the other guys that have been going hard the whole time? Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's going to be really... Really wild to see the the disparity, and uh, I think some of those teams that have the bye uh, might actually be at a bit of a disadvantage because playing a warm up exhibition, you know, playing playing shinny against another conference winner or you know uh, challenger is uh, uh, nothing compared to the first round of the playoffs. So I think that with some of these players, teams might be in for a real surprise. Well, to counterpoint that though, I feel like the teams that have the bye, I wonder if they would almost just kind of go into this as a like an agreement like we're not going to play balls to the wall here in our little exhibition tune-up games right because they're thinking long term maybe a guy goes out and just tries to run the star player in an exhibition game and try to injure him or something I don't know but I feel like in a way if if I was you know a team like the Bruins I think are one of the squads that have the bye I would almost just whoever we're playing I would just be like you know what let's just kind of let's play it like it's a a preseason kind of tune-up game and just take it from there take it easy get the legs going and let the other guys that are actually playing for something let them kill each other and uh, and then you know you kind of just step into maybe an easier matchup potentially but it's not going to be the best yeah but how how fast do you get your legs under you like can you get to the playoff pace before you're down 2-0 in a series yeah for sure like if if whoever's playing a seven game series isn't coming in hot, and then you're just you've been sitting around playing at sixty percent, I'm just I'm not sure that everybody's going to be confident they can get it up fast enough. But uh. well, it's it's never going to be like it's not going to be the best hockey. I mean, some of these guys have been interviewed on different podcasts and different you know TSN and Sportsnet that they've said like there's not much they can do. I mean, some guys some guys I think have 
had access. I can't really admit to it, but some guys have said that they've had access to or hinted that they've had access to a, a rink where they go in at midnight just to skate and shoot a puck around. Mm. But again, I mean, I've I've gone to just drop in hockey at eleven o'clock on a Wednesday, and it's near, not nearly the same compete level as playing in an actual game that means something right right? so i think everyone if if people are thinking oh yes playoff hockey will be coming back and can't wait for the speed and the you know guys just hammering each other and the intensity i I hate to tell you this but i don't think it's going to be like that (laughs) i think it's going to be it's going to be like watching like an east coast league game or like a you know a div one men's league game like it's going to be still world-class athletes and, and guys that have incredible hands incredible shots and whatever but it's going to be rusty for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm not expecting it to be super pretty off the bat, but I am just so excited to be have to be having hockey come back in any capacity. Um, I haven't heard anything in terms of any kind of medical uh, conditions added to the terms of play or anything like that. It seems like they're just talking about returning. Yeah. So hopefully we don't hear anything about the no fighting face shields all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, and I mean that's the thing is like the UFC for instance had a an event last weekend uh or you know two weekends ago when this comes out but i mean yeah they had it was weird because they had uh the corner guys the the you know the the ring announcers and everything were all separated everyone's wearing face masks except for the two guys that are actually in the fight and they're sweating and bleeding on each other like it didn't really make a lot of sense to me i did see something that apparently the the quarantine period they're going to waive that for the players so if you're entering if you're coming from uh, wherever these hub cities are going to be, like keep in mind, we're in phase one. There's still many phases to go. Mm-hmm. They just did, they just said we're going to do this. Now it's about the planning and, and the logistics of it. But what I what I heard was that they're going to basically waive that if you're coming into say Edmonton as a hub city, mm-hmm. and you're coming from the states, they're just going to waive that two week quarantine period and just go. You know, which, I mean, and that would make sense. The, the guys know now that they're going to be playing, so now would be the time you just hunker down and and wait for that phase two and phase three to kind of roll out and at that point yeah you're jumping on a flight to somewhere so i I think it'll be interesting but we'll see i mean all it takes is one or two guys to get it and i think that they got to shut the whole thing down because at the end of the day it's the the player's health is more important than the game yeah and and what are they going to do if there are still quarantines in place when it comes time to change hub cities or whatever the case is as the rounds move along right like as it because i'm pretty sure they aren't playing the entire thing in one city right aren't they talking about multiple hub cities yeah yeah i don't know i think uh they'll just do an esports tournament to wrap it up let's let's go with that <laughs> can you fucking imagine <laughs> like play two and a half months and then it's an nhl 20 final between like gretzky and Burray or something yeah. just two tangentially related players to whatever franchise no they'll just pick the, the guys right but yeah the guys are just too tired they're like you know what, let's just settle this online meet me online <laughs> yeah just just sim it yeah exactly Well, we'll move on to uh, the next story. We really didn't have a lot of quantity of story, but we had great quality. Akeem Alou calls for change. And in, in a an article that came out in the Players' Tribune titled Hockey is Not for Everyone, uh, he weighs in on pretty much his experience all throughout junior hockey all the way up to the NHL. So um, sensitive subject, Brandon. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but first off, what do you, you, know, what do you think when you, you read the article? Oh, man. Um, I think that 
everybody has an experience. <laughs> oh, oh, what are my thoughts, Brandon? This is, on paper, it feels way easier to talk about, and then you feel like you're putting your foot in your mouth every time you say something about it. I think everybody knows Akimalu from the Bill Peters incident, if not before, with the Windsor Spitfires, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of him from then. I, I don't necessarily have the memory of it, but um, he's, he's definitely one of the main faces of the change of, of culture in, in hockey, especially in the junior ranks in terms of hazing. And, I mean, first I think we have to give a huge credit to him for, for standing up to uh, Steve Downey, right? And getting his, his <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't laugh, getting his, his teeth knocked in and all that, that kind of stuff for kind of wanting to, to step outside of, um, out, outside of what can be a very insidious uh, bullying culture um, in certain circumstances. But I think one thing that uh, Akeem seems to, to miss frequently is that um, hockey breeds a lot of really incredible people. And, I mean, they don't have to be in at the, the 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 pro level to be that, but it's it seems to be aimed at making um, good men that can contribute to society, and and you can't hold one psychopath or a few uh, shitty experiences up as the as the kind of the prototype for the rest of of everybody that plays. I just I, I find that uh, a little bit unsettling and unfair. But as, as far as his own own time and his story, man, it, it sucks for him. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I definitely feel for him for having to have gone through those experiences. Um, but at at the same time, I mean, I, I said this to you in before the show. I just, I'm a I'm a big believer in the individual, and I know that everybody has hardships to work through, and that's everybody's individual challenge, and that may be a little bit uh, uncomfortable for people to hear or, or talk about today, but uh, I, I really believe that. And I think that, I mean, you can, we only have so much energy, right? If you want to spend forever focusing on whatever shit you think is being done to you, that's great, but you're never going to get anything done yourself. You might as well focus on the stuff that you can actually affect and impact in your life. And I think you'll actually, <laughs> you'll actually do a lot better, but I'm, I, I don't think uh, we need to get too much into that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but you're very, like what you just said, that's very well said. I mean, everyone does have stuff. Uh, I have a younger brother that was 19, had a, a life changing spinal injury. And after years, uh, you know, his life will never be the same. And yet he's very positive. He's very driven. Uh, you know, I, I look up to him, even though I'm the older brother. And right. you're right. Everybody has stuff that they go through now couple things I don't first of all I just want to preface this by saying I'm not trying to downplay we're not trying to downplay or, or discredit anything Akeem Alou went through like no. what we know fact what we know factually um, you mentioned that you remember him from the Rockford incident I remember him from Windsor uh, with the you know with the Spitfires and the the incident with Steve Downey mm-hmm. and and he talked about that in the the article and he, right. he kind of said that that was how people were introduced to him as the as the guy that didn't follow the hockey culture, and I I, I kind of disagree with that because I remember when that happened. TSN did this whole thing about how junior hockey needs to change. This is obviously an issue. Junior hockey they they can't allow this to happen anymore, and that's how I remember him as a catalyst for change in junior. Like there are guys now where if you're playing in the Western League, the Ontario League, or the Quebec League. 
man, the hardest thing you have to do as a rookie is maybe pick up the pucks at the end of practice. And, you know, right. like, like it's, it's not nearly as bad as what it once was. And, and he, you know, so I, I kind of disagreed with him on that. Uh, so when Alou, when he references Downey as a racist sociopath, like I totally believe that. Uh, I totally agree with that. Like nobody has a positive memory of Steve Downey as a hockey player. Yeah. It, my, my big three memories of Downey, the hit on Dean McCammon in like, I think it was 2007, McCammon was coming behind the net and Downey met him on the other side and leapt into his head and Downey, right. Downey was suspended 20 games. And I, I want to say that was preseason. Like it was so unnecessary that he did that. Uh, and then there was the time he was with the lightning. He left the bench to join a line brawl against the Rangers and uh, and then when he was with the Penguins, he he uh, tried to fight everyone on the Washington Capitals at the end of a game, and and you know to the point where the referee was screaming in his face, "Knock it off!" And he still was trying to just stir something up. So um, that's how we all will remember Steve Downey as just a kind of a bust of a first rounder and not a, an effective player at all. Um, it. it the article rubbed me the wrong way in a couple of of, of ways, and I appreciate that. I didn't go through what Akeem Alou went through. And like I said, I'm not downplaying what he went through. But, you know, he talks about some of this stuff in the article where he says, I'm not trying to drag the NHL through the mud. I'm not trying to, you know, not trying to drag hockey through the mud. But he wants change. And that's fine that he wants change. But when I read the article, and I read it a couple of times, he never talked about the positives for hockey we're talking about incidents that happened in 2005 and 2009. And in the 10 years since the Rockford incident, which, by the way, in the article he says he felt alone, and yet he also acknowledges his captain went to Bill Peters and confronted him. Like, I'm sure that the guys in the dressing room had an issue with what was said. Yeah, exactly. But, but in the 10 years since, when you look at how the NHL has become more accepting whether it's uh you know that you can play you know uh they have gay pride uh events they've got events for for people with disabilities um obviously they they take part in black history month and when you look at some of the players in the nhl that are black you know alu references that black kids may not have anyone to look up to and I, i i disagree with that because i think that you have all kinds of walks of life in the NHL, white or black, but especially, you know, I think of Seth Jones as one of the best NHL defensemen. His dad played in the NBA. So he came from a good family, you know, probably came from some money and he carved his own path, played hockey, uh, was a top pick in 2013. He was projected to potentially go number one. Uh, Darnell Nurse was seventh overall that same year. Darnell Nurse, uh, I think his uncle is Donovan McNabb. Right. So, you know, you, again, a guy that probably could have followed his uncle's path, played football. He he picks hockey, and and those two guys are studs. Uh, Subban, the the brothers Malcolm and PK. I mean, Malcolm was a first round pick. PK is a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. Um, but conversely, a guy like Wayne Simmons. I read an article about him probably ten years ago now talking about how he was growing up, he was so poor that other parents would have to buy gear for him just to allow him to continue to, to chase his dream. Right. And I, th- I think that a lose article doesn't touch on any of that. Like he, he just talked about his own experiences and, 
you know, I, I'll agree with him that maybe Bill Peters torpedoed his career in the Chicago system. But then he goes to a different organization and he ends up playing seven games with the Calgary Flames. I looked up his stats. I mean, it, he was never going to be an NHL player. Like our staff writer, Marcus, came on and talked about just how the, the small percentage of draft picks that make the NHL and play up to 100 games and, and so on. And Alou, I mean, he's he's a borderline AHL player. So I, I took kind of issue with the fact that he's saying there's no role models in hockey for black kids because I think when you look at P.K. Subban, he's the most marketable player in the game. And um, Jerome McGinley, man. Yeah, right? Like there, there's plenty, and that's, and that's the thing. And then even from a coaching standpoint, Paul Girard was uh, an assistant coach yeah. uh, in Dallas. And, you know, and again, it, he says that he, Alou in the article said he wants something similar to what the NFL has, where they've got something called the Rooney rule. And that means that you have to interview minorities. For what? Coaching or for GM or anything, right? Man, I'm a merit person. It's fucking sports. I'm sorry. The best person for the job always. I don't give a fuck what color you are. We could have an all whatever. Like, it does not matter. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they were good, hire them. I'm so tired of that stuff, man. Just, like, let the best person for the job take the job. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. I, I, I didn't think that's a good idea because if you put... I mean, it puts the coach in a situation to, let's say, you hire a black coach... Well, it puts him in a situation where some people might say, well, he only got hired because of this demand for diversity. Uh, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. It puts him in a shitty spot. Right. And then if he blows it, then he maybe doesn't get another chance, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say about this, you know, the, the thing that did, that did bother me, and I, I only bring this up because um, the whole point of the article was about diversity and how he, he says, you know, I don't think hockey is for everyone. Well, he references that the NHL, and I'm quoting this, shoved LGBTQ programs into Black History Month as if it was a chore to them, end quote. Right. Uh, first of all, Gay Pride Month is in June. So the, the NHL doesn't even play much in June. Their focus is on the cup final. Uh, but it also came across as odd that he seemed very upset that Black History Month is now having to share that month uh, with the LGBTQ community. And these are two demographics that want equality. And yet Akeem kind of says, you know, something like that. It sounds like he wants special recognition for the black community and doesn't want to include another underrepresented demographic. So I, I didn't like that, especially because I have gay friends. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I kind of took offense, you know, maybe on their behalf a little bit, but I took offense to that because I'm going, you want equality, but you're not going to allow them to, to take part in a program that the NHL does a very good job, I think, of just trying to to bring acceptance to everybody so one thing i wanted to add i guess is it just it it feels like it just the whole thing feels icky to me right i guess it's the only way to say it like i, I totally get that the the message may be good but i feel like there's just something it's 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 almost like like he's taken his incidents and 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 using that and painting everybody with it, which is the exact thing that he claims that he's fighting and racism and bringing diversity and all of these things, right? It's just like there's a level of hypocrisy to it that makes me feel gross. Yeah, and I, I think he doesn't even mention the fact that you got for for other kids. I mean, so we're we're in the Vancouver area. Uh, Jujar Kara of the Edmonton Oilers yeah. is the only the third Punjabi player to ever make the NHL. He's a hero in 
in our neck of the woods, like Surrey minor hockey. They, they love Jujar. Like they, they worship this guy. Uh, Nazem Kadri is a Muslim. And again, there are probably Muslim players all across Canada and the United States that maybe they look up to Kadri and, and they say, you know, player aside, because I, he's a bit of a rat on the ice, but he's a, a he's, I think he's a great role model for those kids that think, you know, that they don't have someone to look to. Well, now you do. And Nazem Kadri was a top 10 pick, played in the biggest market in the NHL for years before moving on to, uh, to the Avs, right? And I, I would like to think that Nazem Kadri, for all his faults as a player, probably does a lot that we maybe don't even hear about in just promoting the game and uh, you know as a muslim player uh he's talked about in the past about going through um the season and during ramadan and how how that is kind of difficult for him because obviously there's so much energy expenditure um so you know like i said there's i i I think that this whole hockey is for everyone i think that the nhl has done a fantastic job alou even said that he he met with gary bettman and bill daly yeah i was gonna bring that up yeah yeah he left that meeting feeling really good and then he writes an article months after that meeting and he says he doesn't want to drag the league through the mud but he kind of in my opinion he did and the the reason why i i get kind of frustrated reading this is just that if i had never watched hockey if i was not a fan if i had never played and i read this article it doesn't paint a good picture, in in my opinion, anyways. Like it just it makes a lot of things sound like yeah. hockey really is this exclusive. You know, if you're not a rich white kid, you you have no chance of making it. And I just feel like that's that's totally incorrect. I mean, it, it wouldn't bug me if it if it painted a poor picture if it was true. The issue for me is that it doesn't paint an honest picture. I feel like it's a very skewed negative stance towards hockey and its culture. Yeah, and I mean, well, the one thing I'll say about these articles is that they are ghostwritten. So, I mean, maybe something's lost in translation. I, I don't know how this would have been written. Maybe Alou records his thoughts, sends it over to somebody to write it. But that's the only kind of like, okay, well, I could see if maybe the writer interpreted a statement differently. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, the whole article, I just found it just it didn't touch on any of the positives. And it sounded very much like a guy that, as he said at the beginning, you know, he is a victim. We're not trying to take that away from him, what he went through. But instead of turning it around and, and going, okay, again, he's the catalyst for change. He was at the junior level. And now at the NHL level, he he's getting a meeting with the two most powerful guys in the NHL to talk about what can we do. And that's proactive of the league to go, what can we do to make sure this sort of thing never happens again? And then he comes out with an article basically saying, hockey is for everyone I, I laugh when I hear that statement because it's not. They're not doing enough to change. Well, like you're you're currently involved in helping, so. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, well, what did you expect? It's not going to be an overnight thing. So if if hockey can change at the grassroots level, and, and that's true for any sport. I mean, baseball has had examples of, uh, you know, American kids being racist towards the, the Dominican or the the uh, the Mexican kids that come up for that little league world series and all that stuff, like, I mean basketball. I'm sure it's you've got a lot of black players and only a few white players. Like maybe there's been something similar that's happened oh, man. in that level, right? This, 
this just has nothing to do with race at all from my perspective, like our criticisms here. Like if this was fucking Sven Berchi <laughs> bitching because he didn't think he got a fair shake because he was Swiss, I would have the exact same take. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like you, you didn't get a take in the NHL or a crack at the NHL because you weren't good enough. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's Like I said, it's tough because, again, and we saw this with Robin Lehner who, who tweeted something rather – innocent like talking about his own experiences didn't even have anything to do with Akima Lou and people attacked Robin Lehner you know you know what man uh, honestly can can you fill me in on that because I I, I I saw the outrage but I never actually found the original tweet and I'm not on Twitter enough to track anything down so yeah all it was was Lehner basically just tweeted something about his own struggles with his own uh, you know bipolar disorder and uh, and his obviously he was an alcoholic and he just talked about how you know you go through these phases in life i'm paraphrasing but he was basically saying that he you know he overcame and he tweeted this out the same day as this article dropped and but but not in relation to the article right no no he never tweeted at akim alu or anything like that but people were going at laner like really hard being and you know and it's the stuff that you expect on twitter because it's a complete joke of a social media platform but for them to say well it's you know as a white guy how dare you kind of you know downplay and and he he was really surprised like he tweeted out again and devin setaguchi who is uh, i believe native like native canadian uh came to his defense as well it said i've known you know like it's it's I can't. Rem- I don't think they ever played on the same team. I, I, I tried to see the overlap, but I couldn't find anything. But Setaguchi said, "Leonard's not a racist. I've known him for years. He's never once had any sort of opinion that can be <laughs> deemed racist." And then, of course, the backpedaling. How you can even make that jump, man? That's insane. How that's nutty to me. But that right. But that's what I mean, and that's why I was always like I was kind of hesitant to get into this, anyways, because. You know, I'm a white guy who played hockey for almost 20 years, and it just seems like in this day and age with the social media, it's yeah. But you, 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 you know what's in your heart, right? Like we're, you know, you're not racist. I know I'm not racist, but you, you, we just know what's bullshit. Oh, but I, I played with some kids. Yeah, like I played with kids that were phenomenal hockey players that were of Indian descent. I played with this uh, actually this Asian kid, and it was Aaron. And this kid was a complete machine. Like he never, he never went on to play anything like higher than what we played at. But he would have been the enforcer for any team. Like he trained <laughs> MMA. This kid, I would, I'd love to have him on. But this kid was a complete animal. Like he just, he would show up and he'd just be like, yeah, I just got out of a two-hour grappling session. I'm like, <laughs> oh shit. But, uh, but yeah, you know, like, yeah, I don't think that this has anything to do. Like we're not, we're not taking issue with some of the things in the article like you said because of race it's not because of race it's just that no. it just the tone of it was just more of not acknowledging the success of black players in the nhl the six the the efforts from the nhl to make a stand to go we want to include uh whether it's black fans like that guy in st louis tony tony something a few years ago i don't know if you remember him but he was tweeting out live during the game like <laughs> the guy that got invited to the game yeah like they invited him to the game because he was yeah that was hilarious he was like why are they pulling the goalie like you know we gotta <laughs> we gotta stop that patrick kane right and they flew him out to the game that's right and 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 they made him i think they tried to get him to be a presenter at the nhl awards and he missed his flight so mm. uh, you know but i mean again like 
are we not going to talk about that as as a as a good thing with the NHL? So, you know, I, I just I didn't I didn't like the article uh, for for several points. Uh, I do think though that obviously Akimalu, yeah, what happened to him? There's no place for it. But I, I just think that that's few and far between, man. I mean, how many teams are in junior and across the Canadian Hockey League had stories like what happened in Windsor? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And you know, one quick point I wanted to touch on before we move on is that it's like culture is shifting in general, right? Like the the, the general zeitgeist isn't necessarily accepting any more of the hazing culture. I mean, just look at we don't have it in Canada, but the, the U.S. college and university culture. There's there's been a lot of scandals related to hazing, and and that has been going away over the last decade or two as well, right? Like it's. It's a fairly ubiquitous thing that that's no longer acceptable, and so for somebody to come out championing that it needs to go away and then potentially taking credit for its dissolution just feels wrong to me. But anyway, there's so many things here that bug me about this situation that uh, probably may not come across well to an audience, but <clears throat> I just, I don't know, my, my spidey sense for this situation, I just feel like he's capitalizing on something that um is good right like the 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 movement is good that that stuff does need to change but it may not uh may not have be benefiting from the specific front man do you have anything more you want to say about this no no i think i've said enough all right all right let's uh let's get on to some happy news guys and i just i really wanted to to say a huge thank you to our audience for getting us to a, a thousand listens I mean, we're all just having fun here and super proud of what we're doing. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get to to ten thousand and then uh, and more on from there, uh, from one moron to another, I guess. <laughs> well, this moron just wants to say a couple of of quick uh, quick things as well. Again, guys, thank you for all the the love and support. Uh, we do have a voicemail. Oh, beautiful! So I feel like we should play that right now. And now. Okay, go. I can podcast that. I love you, podcast that. And now back to you. That was awesome, man. So, thank your 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 wife and your girls for for setting that up. Yeah, absolutely, super sweet. I was uh, I was definitely expecting something a little more vitriolic for our first voicemail. So, <laughs> I, am, uh, I am absolutely pleased that that's what came through. Yeah, and then uh, a couple just personal notes from me. Uh, first of all, I just want to say congrats to uh, to my friend Eric and his wife Leah for their firstborn. Uh, you know, everything baby's healthy, which is great to hear in this day and age. Um, and uh, lastly, to uh, another podcast side of Ranch, guys, check these guys out because this is uh, this is like listening to a couple of guys at a bar just chat, and they've allowed you to listen in. It's it's a great show. Um, I was laughing during some of the parts of them talking about just movies and and video games and just life in general. So give those guys a listen, show them some love as well, and subscribe to their podcast. Uh, you won't regret that. So, uh, Bren, take us home, bud. Absolutely. Do you want to let them know where they can find us real quick? You can find us everywhere now, guys. We're on YouTube now. You can catch full episodes on YouTube, The Hockey Minute. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Overcast. Uh, as we mentioned, you can leave us voicemails on Anchor as well. So 
if you've got some some thoughts, you can always let us know whether it's just messaging us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at the Hockey Minute, or uh, like I said, you can you can just leave us a voicemail. Beautiful. All right, thanks everybody for listening. From Ryan and Brandon, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We can do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Hockey Minute. Go fuck yourself, San Diego.